Welcome to the Full Minded with Elisabetta podcast, where my mission is to normalize the human experience. I believe there's power in authenticity and building a community immersed in it. I plan on bringing you on an in-depth and transparent journey of my life through solo episodes. I will also be interviewing a range of individuals who are willing to share their unique stories. On this podcast, we will dive into topics such as mental health, heartbreak, loss, change, trauma, self-love, and every other topic that makes up the human experience. While I do my very best to provide you insight and knowledge on these subject matters, this podcast is not a substitute for professional help. I am not a licensed therapist. I am simply a human sharing my experiences with the intent to help people feel less alone. If you are suffering, please consult with a licensed professional. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy the episode. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode. On this episode, I interview one of my good friends, Nikki Roy, who is also a licensed therapist. And it's such an amazing episode, guys. Like if I haven't convinced y'all to go to therapy yet, you're gonna after this episode. So I basically interview her with a range of questions of what got you into therapy? What are some myths that you want debunked about therapy? What are the benefits of going? Why do you love it? What is the most challenging piece of it? And everything in between. Honestly, this was a really fun and beautiful episode to record. Nikki is amazing. She's one of my favorite people ever. So I'm just so excited for you guys to get to know her a little bit more and hear this beautiful episode dedicated to therapy. Enjoy, guys. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode. Today I am joined by one of my good friends, Nikki Roy, who also happens to be a therapist Mm -hmm. and therapist friends are the best fucking friends, I swear. But on today's episode, we are going to work towards explaining the benefits of therapy, debunking some myths about it, and tapping into what made Nikki want to become a therapist in the first place. So without further ado, I want to welcome Nikki to the podcast. Hi Nikki, how are you doing today? Hello. Oh my gosh. I'm doing so good. I'm like a mix of nerves and excitement. It's a perfect mix. Perfect mix. I'm super excited to be here and be with you and be on and to talk about all the stuff that we're going to talk about. Yeah, it's exciting and nerve wracking all at the same time. But oh my God. It's going to be amazing. It's just going to be, I already have such a good gut feeling about it. I think, well, you and I are just both very raw and honest people to begin with. So I think this podcast is just going to be hella authentic and just come from the depths of our soul, you know? Yeah, literally. Like (laughs) if you ever see us at a restaurant, know that we're having the (laughs) deepest conversation and maybe crying in the corner. (laughs) Of all time. Literally last week we went out and we had burgers. What was it called? Bin four, I think. Bin four, yeah. (gasps) If you haven't gone, go. It was like, it was burger heaven, I reckon. Like it, any burger you wanted, any side option you wanted, even if you wanted to split your side, salad, sweet potato fries, onion rings, deep fried pickles, like they were like, say less. So we had burgers (laughs) And we bawled. <laughs> we just got into the deepest conversation in this back corner booth, like dark. I'm sitting next to her on the booth, so romantic. Mm-hmm. And we just got into it really heavy. And um, it was beautiful. And it was one of the things that led us to talking about what we wanted to talk about today on the podcast, actually. 
And yeah, it's just always real with you. And I love it. So I just think it's going to be, it's going to be so good. Um, (laughs) So I think let's start off with maybe you chatting and telling the audience a bit about yourself, um, what you're licensed with, you know, as a therapist, and then maybe we'll kind of roll into what made you want to become a therapist, where it all began. Yeah. And we can go from there. So tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah. Okay. So like you said, my name's Nikki. I'm a therapist. I am originally from Alberta. So I did my undergrad in Alberta and then I did grad school through Gonzaga University. And then about two years ago, I moved to BC. And so yeah, exactly. So my partner and I, we just decided we wanted to change. We wanted to do something different with our life. So we decided to move out here and it's been, you know, just the best thing ever. I am a certified Canadian counselor. So I am registered with the whole country of Canada and in therapy, you can, well, as a therapist, you can register province-wide or like nationwide. And so it's different, you know, whatever folks choose to do, what works for you. I like being Canadian-wide because then I get to work with people all over the whole country. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I love doing that. I am like specialized in eating disorders, body image, you know, self-esteem, those kind of things. But then I also love working with clients that are just, you know, dealing with our everyday kind of stressors, you know, depression, anxiety, life transitions, traumas, whatever's going on in their life uh, that's making it really difficult to, to get through. So that's kind of where I work mostly. I do really love to work with folks struggling with, you know, their sense of self, their sense of identity, who they are, why they do the things that they do, and just really helping them come home to themselves is kind of how I like to phrase it. So yeah, that's a bit, I guess, about my professional life, personal life. I like major foodie, love to explore, camper. I live in an RV, which is kind of wild. I love it. I love it. So fun. Yeah. So fun to do that adventure, you know, all those things. So you'll typically find me like hiking outside, camping, doing some sort of like sport or like frolicking around. I like to be busy, but I also like to be like really active. So yeah, that's kind of a bit about me. I love it. I love it. Um, And then what would you say made you want to become a therapist? Like, is it something that you've always dreamt of since you were a little girl? Is it something that just something happened in your life and you're just like, I want to become a therapist. Like, I want to, I want you to share this whole story. Yeah. Tell us. Oh gosh. (laughs) So I didn't really know I wanted to be a therapist per se from a young age. Like my, my mom always told me like, you always said you just wanted to work with people or like, I always knew you'd work with people. I was just kind of that person that was drawn to others and others were drawn to me. It was always in like a very vulnerable kind of position. And so I kind of did a bit of like zigzagging once I left high school, some school, then I kind of like left, took a break, went back, took a break, went back, took a break. So (laughs) I was kind of all over the map, but I think that was what I needed for my own development. But 
So yeah, I guess like, let's just dive right into the vulnerability here, right? Lead by example. <laughs> let's do it. Let's normalize the human experience. Yeah, Lead with exactly. vulnerability. It's all good. Exactly. So I guess we can, I think the turning point for me really was back in 2016-ish. Yeah, 2016, early 2017. I was in a really um abusive domestic relationship and so it was something that was extremely painful extremely hard for me I didn't really have any experience with therapy before that I had saw a therapist once or twice like when I was 18 but at this point I was oh I was 26 I think 25 or 26 didn't do the math but I yeah like I said I was in this relationship and I knew I had to leave And I just didn't know, I didn't know how, like, I didn't know what to do. I was in a different province. I was away from everyone that I loved, that I felt safe with. And I was just really struggling. So I was like, oh my gosh, what do I do? What do I do? I found a therapist online and I was like, okay, like, I'm just going to book this appointment and go and see, like, see what happens. And oh my gosh, this poor therapist, I'm still (laughs) to this day. Like I just showed up to her office, like a tornado, literally just so dysregulated and trying to tell her what's going on, what's going on. And I'm like getting all these calls from this person I'm with because I'm not supposed to be away from them, all this stuff. So I just answer the phone call in her therapy, in the therapy session with her. I was like, you just have to know what I'm dealing with here. Like, so, so you can help me. And so we listened, you know, to the phone call together of all the awful, horrible, terrible things. And her whole persona just went to like, oh my gosh, Like, this is, this is serious. Like you are unsafe. And it was honestly like the first person that I was able to actually just be so like, so real and vulnerable about what my situation was because I had kept it a secret from a lot of people in my life. I didn't know how to talk about it. I didn't know. I like, I was so afraid of judgment, of shame, of like people being right, of, you know, what I had to do. It was like, I had never had anyone to talk about it before. And when I got into her office, it literally was just like, I need you to know what's going on because I can't hold it anymore. And so, yeah, she, we had our session. I don't even remember how the rest of it went. And I was just a couple of weeks after that, I ended up leaving and I had never seen her again. I only saw her that one time and I left And then a few months later, I like reached back out to her and I was like, I just want to let you know that like I got out, I'm safe, it's okay. And it was like, so powerful. It was wild. And she was just like, oh my gosh, like, I've been thinking about you and hoping that you're okay. Like, thank you for letting me know. But I think that that moment just like really gave me this experience of like the level of safety and vulnerability and what that can do for you as a person, because I feel like that is what gave me that kind of boost strength, like willingness to go back and be like, okay, yeah, like I got to get out of this. How am I getting out of this? So after that, I was like, 
I like, I want to do more with people. Like I, I had my undergrad already at that point, but I was like, I, I need to be a therapist. Yes. Like that was <laughs> life-changing yeah. literally. <laughs> so yeah, that was kind of like what, what kickstarted it. And then I started looking at grad schools and figured out, you know, what was going to work for my life, where I wanted to go. And then, yeah, then off I went to, to grad school to become a therapist and, it's, it's wild. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but so long ago all at the same time. Yeah. And it's interesting because I just, I mean, I've only known you for a little while and we're still learning about each other, but I always just assumed like maybe you were like a child and we're like, I want to be a therapist one day. Like I imagined it was this lifelong dream. I just like had that vision in my head. And when you shared that story with me, last week over burgers while we were crying, I was like, oh damn, it's, it's interesting to see and it's really cool and powerful to see you take such a fucked up and like terrible horrific experience and turn it into something beautiful I think that just like is such a testament to you and your character that you're just like hmm how can I inspire (laughs) how can I inspire from this terrible thing that I just like experienced in this mountain of trauma that I've just endured like how can I help other people feel safe and secure within themselves you know so they have an outlet if they're ever in the same situation I was to come in and feel safe like I think that's beautiful yeah yeah totally I always you know when I think about that time in my life it feels like a dream and some of it doesn't feel real and I think it what like really what came out of it is that it inspired me to want to be able to do the thing that I think I was always meant to do. I just didn't didn't really know and I wasn't really getting there. And, you know, it's I think there's this a lot of ideas and beliefs that, you know, we all have to learn from the things we've been through or you know, we have to go for through them for a reason. And sure, I could say like, oh, yeah, I went through that to be able to find myself where I am now. But I also, I don't feel like I deserve to go through that. I don't feel like I was meant to go through that. I don't feel like I had to go through that. And I'm not going to like justify it in that way. And I can see that it led me to like a different place to where I am now and that I can be grateful for. So absolutely. And I think that's a great way of looking at it too. Yeah, Yeah. honestly, because we were, you know, we were chatting about sometimes I think it can be toxic to say to somebody, like they just lose somebody they care about. And you're like, well, everything happens for a reason. I think sometimes that can be misconstrued, you know, out of context. And like what Nikki's saying is you don't need to go through these horrific things you know, mm-hmm. to find yourself. But I think our power lies in the what we do with it and how we cope with it and how we heal ourselves after going through it. It's, you know, not necessarily justified and no, we didn't deserve it, but it's up to us, you know, to kind of determine the length of suffering that we endure, you know, the creative flow, how we get our groove back, how we love ourselves, how we nurture ourselves after that kind of trauma hits, you know? Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, everything we go through changes us. Whether that's, you know, what we went through as a kid, an adult, whatever, everything changes us. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we needed that change or had to go through that change, Mm -hmm. but it's happening. And so, you know, how do we look at it and and what do we do with it, I guess, is more, more where I like to land. 
Yeah, that's fair. How do we adapt? This is what it is. It's like it's mm-hmm. happening. We're in it. You know, my my therapist always said, um, she said, the quicker you get out of the suffering stage, the faster you can manage pain because you can't manage suffering, but you can manage pain. And mm-hmm. I always thought that was so powerful because when you're in yeah, a state of just like stuff suffering, you can't manage it. But as soon as you learn, you know, to cope with it and it yeah. shifts into the pain realm, then you can be like, hey, it's painful, but I can do this or it's painful. Right. I can do this. And I thought that was such a a powerful statement to hear while I was in it, while I was in mm-hmm. the suffering mode. Totally. Yeah. Because, yeah, like when you are suffering and when you are in those types of situations or experiences, like, I mean, your your body kind of goes to safety mode. So there isn't a lot of room to be able to really see what's going on or use skills or reach for help or mm-hmm. do any of that kind of stuff because your body and your mind is like, yo, like we just got to be safe. Like we yeah. just got to next day. And that comes with a lot of like, behaviors that maybe we normally wouldn't want to do or like dissociation numbing out pushing people away like our body is so tired from just surviving and there's it's so hard to work within that and sometimes it's just uh I gotta get through this to get out on the other side to then figure out what I'm gonna do exactly yeah exactly and then there's that level of exhaustion that hits after you get out of survival mode that I don't think is talked about enough we should do an episode on trauma one day because I think that would be really really good really necessary and then we can talk about each level of trauma like enduring it the aftermath and then you know getting into situations that trigger those traumas to come back up I think that would be a really powerful one totally I agree we can do that. Um, yeah, let's do it. Um, what would you say are some myths about therapy that are untrue? Because I often hear a lot of things said about therapy. I think now <laughs> we're definitely moving into more progressive towards therapy and more people are being like, you know, down with it. But I think for a long time, a lot of people weren't. And when, you know, I even me, myself, I used to whisper like, I'm in therapy. And now I'm just like, everybody (laughs) needs therapy. And I sell merch with it on it. And like, it's a very different vibe. I joke because every single one of my podcast episodes at one point, I'm just like, go to therapy. (laughs) And now look, I've got a therapist on the podcast and she's (laughs) going to tell you to go to therapy too. (laughs) It's amazing. It's beneficial for literally everyone. Neurotypical people with mental illness. Like, it's like, I always say it's like going to the gym for your brain, you know? Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard those people that I've I've had people before that are like, oh, why would you go to the gym if you're in shape? And I'm like, what? First of all, what? But I feel like second of all, going to the gym and working out, working out your body and then having a bodybuilder come in and help you or somebody or like a personal trainer, I guess, would come in and help kind of shake things up it's the same way as going to therapy for your brain do you know what I mean like you could yeah live life without a therapist no problem but then taking it that extra step and having somebody guide you through your emotions and your everyday struggles because we're just not taught how to manage those things you know what I mean yeah that was a very long analogy but I hope everyone followed and understood what I was saying (laughs) (laughs) oh but yeah so what what do you what are some myths that you've heard about therapy that are untrue and that you would like to debunk and say actually no this is not the case yeah oh gosh there's so many (laughs) yeah (laughs) so 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 many 
And I think like they come from so many different places, right? Like yeah, a lot of the time what we see in like media, movies and things like that, like they depict a therapist as this like really like stuffy shrink, like person that like just isn't helpful is often saying the wrong thing all the time, crossing like really bad ethical boundaries. Like when we, as a therapist, when we see therapists on TV, we're like, oh gosh, what are they like? What are mm-hmm. they going to make us look even worse? Yeah, but, that's true. You know, like you said, we're just, we're not taught a lot of things in life that are like real life skills. You know, we're not really taught an emotional language. We're not taught how to understand like our experiences and how to really process what's going on and understand. We're more taught like how to portray a perfect life, how to just cope in whatever way you want to cope with and like push things away ultimately is what a lot of us are taught. True. And And I feel like society pushes the negative ones at us. Quit smoking, vape instead. Happy Mm -hmm. hour. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like all these things that are more escapism and feed into addiction and unhealthy behaviors and unhealthy, unhealthy coping mechanisms versus being like, therapy can save lives <laughs> like yeah. where are those ads <laughs> totally, you know? why I'm doesn't like, the bar have a fucking therapist's office in the back like why why can't we you know what i mean like it's it's not yeah. really pushed on us to healthy coping mechanisms at all no and there's so many like systems that push against that as well of like the the obstacles and the barriers that so many people have in not only like accessing therapy, but also with how life is, right? Like we think about like capitalism and the rush, 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 and always have to be better. And like, you should, every second you should be working on, like working on your life and your job and like, don't take time for yourself and all of these assumptions and barriers that are put up in our world and on our life also play into us never knowing how to deal with our own lives. So yeah, true. So like, I guess going back to the debunking, I was like, I can go on a whole tangent about this. But yeah. let me get this here. <laughs> um, I love it. I love so, tangents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some big therapy myths. And I mean, I always hear this one is like, oh, I tried it and it didn't work. Or like, I already tried that. And, you know, I don't want to say that everybody one-on-one therapy is the only way to heal and work through things because it's not. And at the same time, there's so many therapists and people that just will not be a match for each other. And that's okay. Like, it doesn't mean that it's a bad therapist. It doesn't mean that it's like a person that's unwilling to open up. Sometimes it just means it's a bad match. And like, you almost have to therapist shop. And hard like it's hard to do that it's really hard to share your story with someone over and over and over again and it can be so worth it because one bad experience with a therapist that maybe you don't get along with or don't really like doesn't mean that the therapy experience isn't for you and yeah agreed yeah like I try to stress that so much with people to be like you know finding somebody that you actually feel comfortable with safe with is what's going to help like that is what's going to be one of the biggest indicators in change is the relationship right so it's like finding somebody that you actually get along with 
so that you can have a safe space to have that experience that actually is helpful. Yes. Yeah. I have had my fair share of therapists that didn't align with me and I didn't super love and like I outgrew them. And I've been to like, I want to say like one, two, three, I think six different therapists in the span of 15 years. And the one I'm with currently, I've been with for about eight years now. Um, But it's just, yeah, it was a mixture of me moving. It was a mixture of me going for like one specific issue. And maybe I felt that issue was resolved. So it was time to move on to the next. I had one really bad experience with a male therapist who got reported after I was done with him. And then, yeah, like there can sometimes be, you know, it's life. These people are human. They're not perfect. And I think sometimes it's normal to, yeah, not vibe with them or just be like, that's not the kind of advice that I would want to be given. And I think too, like with getting to know Nikki on a more personal level, like she's shed a lot of light on the different levels of training or criteria or even theories, I think it is, that you guys are taught to teach with. And I think that may be beneficial to tap into a little bit to just tell the audience so that they can kind of look for that when shopping for a therapist. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Well, there's like... You know, I think when we think about professionals, it's like, okay, all of them are doing the same thing. You know, like mm-hmm. when you call a chiropractor, it's like, okay, they all like know the skeletal system. They're all cracking the same bones. Yeah. But when you, when you think of a therapist, it's, we all are coming from different theoretical lenses. Like there are so many theories in therapy and psychology and what a theory is, is How do I see people? How do I see change? What do I believe about humans? What do I believe about behavior? And so all of these theoretical lenses, when you go through grad school, you kind of like start working with one that really resonates with you. And that is also based off of like your own experience and how you view humanity, right? So sometimes people, you know, view things in therapy, like, oh, learning about someone's childhood is really important because that is what's guiding them as a human. Other theories will go, you know, childhood, not not as important as, you know, the future and how we focus on where to go from here. So, and that's just like a really quick, short example of all the different theories that we learn. And then you kind of pick the ones that feel aligned with you and the ones that you want to work with. Yeah. And so some therapists, you know, focus really a lot more on emotion and emotion work. Other therapists are like, no, we want to focus more on thoughts and behavior change. And so it depends like what, what you like as a client as well. Yeah. And sometimes that does take, you know, learning about, the therapist, which I always recommend to do the 15, 20 minute free consultation, because those are questions you can ask, like, what's your theoretical lens? You know, like, what, like, how do you see change in people happen? What Mm -hmm. is your process? Like, what do you do in sessions? What do you, yeah, specialize in? Because you have certain specifications that you, you, you work on. And I didn't even know that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, we all have, you know, typically specializations and then a way of doing those specializations. And it can feel so overwhelming because, you know, if you're 
somebody that isn't in the field of psychology or therapy and you go on a therapist website and it's like all these acronyms and all these different theories that they use, like, of course it's overwhelming and you don't really know what it means. And like, I would just really recommend taking that consultation to ask those questions because not every therapist does things the same. We actually do them quite different, which is, you know, again, why why that relationship is so important and the process is so important as well. Yeah, that's totally fair. My mic, I think, just cut out for a little bit because I couldn't hear anything. So I don't know if I was like speaking over you. Oh, or, or <laughs> no, you weren't. you weren't. I wasn't. Okay. I was just, I kind of just went away for a bit there. I don't know where I went, but I was like, hello. <laughs> but then you just came back. So all good. That's, that's technology for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, I just think it, that's so interesting to know. And just like for any other example, like if you're going to get a massage and that person uses too much pressure or maybe they play like gangster rap while you're trying to chill out or they talk to you the whole time. There's like different things that you're going to look at and be like, OK, I don't really like this person's style of massaging or this, you know, this chiropractors or this anything. Like think about how picky we are with our lash techs, our nail techs. You know, we don't complain about having to switch about those. But with therapy, yeah, I feel like more often than not, people are like they give it one shot and then they quit. I'm going to give it a lot of shots for lash tech. I like my lashes. I like them to be good. If uh, We'll keep going, you know? Yeah, totally. And I mean, if it's like your life and your quality of life, like keep going, keep giving it some shots, therapy, shop. And I think that's the most powerful thing to do. I always say like in my consultations, I'm like, no pressure. Like you need to make the choice and, and go with who you feel you are the most comfortable with. Like, there's no feelings hurt. Like you pick whoever you want to, because that's what's going to enhance everybody's experience. So yeah, I think that's a one thing that I hear a lot, you know, having just one bad experience. I also hear things like, you know, only go to therapy when things are bad or only for people that are struggling. Right. So it's like, oh, I don't need it. Like I'm not struggling. And, you know, I get that. Like it is often a thing where it's like, well, why would I go if everything in my life feels okay? And maybe it does feel okay. Or maybe that's just how you've been operating your whole life and don't really understand, you know? And so, yeah, I think that even myself as a therapist, I go to therapy and I find my own tendency to want to only go when things are struggling, like when I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why is that? Like, why, why do I do that? And I think the obvious answer is because you need help. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But then I think also it just, it's something that kind of falls off the side when maybe we are doing well or things are going a little bit better. But I always find that when I do go, when things are well, I have just as much like insight and reflection as sometimes I do things bad, you know, and I'm like, okay, like I can also go to therapy and like really just celebrate my successes or talk about why things are working better so that I can emphasize those more. So I can do those things more. I can celebrate myself, which is something that we're also not taught to do, right? Like don't be selfish or don't be like vain or don't be conceited, right? So it's like, we're always trying to live in this selfless place. Mm-hmm. And- Therapy gives us a really powerful place to explore why things are going good for us, the strengths that we're having, the changes that we're making, 
all of those things that are helping us to feel like we're in a better place. And those deserve to be celebrated too. And sometimes, you know, when we are in better places, we're pushing away things that maybe are kind of impacting us. So there's so many reasons, right? As to like why when we're also in a good place, it can be really helpful and healing and therapeutic. You know, I love when I have my clients come in and they're like, you know what? Like, I'm actually like doing really well. Like, I don't really know what I'm going to talk about. And I'm like, amazing. Tell me what's going well. Tell me why it's going well, you know? And then they start like sharing all these things. And then they're like, look at me. Like I'm actually doing the work. And I'm like, yes, you are. And look at how it's helping you. So like that validation. Absolutely. So beautiful. Yeah. And making your therapist proud, right? And I think going back to that analogy about the gym, like when people have said, you know, why go to the gym if you're in shape? Like there's still so many benefits of working out every day. Like it's not about just being like perfect or having this perfect physique. Like there's so many more benefits to going to the gym than just the physical results. So I think that I've always used that as an analogy for therapy too. Like, even though you're in a good place, like you could still benefit for like more. You can, it's like going to, you know, going to school, you're learning about your brain. You're, you have somebody who's licensed and a professional telling you how your specific brain works. Like that is the coolest thing. That's like the ultimate, everyone needs to go to therapy, Nikki. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone, everyone, (laughs) you know, and Like, I think as you said that too, one other myth that kind of came up in my head is that, you know, therapists tell you how to live your life or you're going to go and like, oh, you have to do this and you have to do that. And this is wrong and that is wrong. And, you know, our job isn't to tell you how to live your life. It isn't to tell you, you know, what you have to do all the time. It's more to like help you understand who you are so that you feel more empowered to be able to make those changes, to know yourself, to understand what you went through and how it shaped you. And like, I just hold that space for you. And I just have a set of skills to help you navigate that and help you get to it. I'm not sitting there with any kind of like judgmental lens in telling you how to live your life and telling you, you know, this is what you should be doing. This is what you shouldn't be doing. It's more like, I'm going to help pull all this stuff out of you so that you can see and understand all of these things that are going on, all of these things that are operating and functioning around you so that you can find clarity, so that you can find, you know, those instinctual feelings on what you need to do and how to do it. And I'm going to help you do that. And I'm going to help you see the barriers you have and the resistance you have. And why do you have that resistance? And why does it make it so hard? What are you afraid of? Right? Like all of those things I'm really just helping you learn who you are and why you are the way you are. And so I think that is really powerful too, because yeah, who would want to go see someone that's just like, "Eh, you did this wrong and you did that wrong and this is shit and that shit and functioning well and this and that, you know, that does feel like a shame-based approach. And, you know, I don't want to speak for every single therapist because I know that there's therapists out there that don't come from the same lens as me, but that's how I view it. I view it as, you know, let's just see what's going on and I'm going to help you along that journey. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, some of the myths myself that I've heard from people 
is they're afraid, yeah, being judged. They're afraid of going in there and being like, this is my life and this is, you know, fucked up and this is what I've done. And like, but it's not about that. Like, you don't go in just to be judged. Like, if anything, I feel like it's the opposite of that. You go in and there's somebody who's listening intently and empathizing with what you've been through and then has textbook upon textbook of knowledge and is able to be like, this sounds like this, this, this. Like, for me, getting diagnosed you know, with my dis- my disorders and therapy was the best thing that ever happened to me because I was like, this makes sense. I make sense. There's something I can point to and like, I have answers now. I have reason. And now I have unlimited amounts of knowledge that I can search up on all of these disorders. Whereas before I was just kind of aimlessly walking around in the dark, just like petrified of everything. Now I'm like, I know what this is. I know what this is a symptom of. Like, you just learn yourself so much deeper in therapy. And then by learning yourself, you you begin to love yourself no matter how messed up it is or how messed up you feel you are, because there's, you know, reasons for why you are the way that you are. Yeah. And it just, it just makes so much sense. It's like a ball of yarn that just gets sorted out like a, like a super messy ball of yarn. And just one by one, you, it just gets like neatly kind of twirled around. <laughs> That's the way it feels in my brain. Totally. Yeah, I agree. Like when we're when we're informed about the things that happen to us and and why we are the way that we are, we can access so much more empathy and self-compassion for ourselves, which makes which is, you know, like it's an antidote to shame. And shame is I am bad. I like am innately a mistake. I am not good enough. Like I don't have self-worth. And a lot of the time, those things come from us doing things that we don't want to be doing or having behaviors that don't feel right to us, but feel like uncontrollable and we can't stop them. So when we're informed of, you know, our whole story and what's happened to us and why we are the way that we are and why we do those things and why our first instinct is to do this, we get it and we can actively you know be mindful about what's going on so that we can start to change it or start to do something different right like I myself like I I am a shutter downer when I have to do hard things like if I'm faced with a hard conversation or I've done something wrong my first instinct is to shut down and like not speak and I know that that's not helpful and I've been able to to be able to notice when that's happening and then I can do something about it then I go okay I need to take a couple minutes by myself go for a walk whatever I need to say to myself in my head Nikki it's not helpful when you shut down you need to speak Nikki it's not helpful when you don't say anything you need to talk and then I'm able to pull myself out of it but I needed like that understanding and experience to be able to do that. And that's just like one small example of something that you don't even know that you're doing until you realize it's not helping you. And then you can start to change it. And it doesn't mean that it takes it away. I might always naturally be wanting to shut down, but I can interject that. And over time, that's going to really decrease. For sure. And you're learning the skills to combat it when it does happen. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think too, like a therapy benefit that I noticed immediately when I started going was the weight that I was putting on my friendships. Cause like, I've always lived a heavy life. I have disorders, which make me feel things very deeply. So there was always usually something extreme going on in my life. 
And I put a lot of that pressure on my friendships. I'd be like, oh, hey, I want to die. Like, help. And they'd be like, oh, I'm just at work. But like, I love you. And I'm here. I'm just like, holy fuck. And then I'd be triggered because they're not showing up for me the way that I demanded them to. So I think for me as a bpd I'm sure others can relate that have it that just taking that pressure off of your friendships, like your friendships grow so much more substantially and you don't put that pressure on another human being because it's not anybody's responsibility to talk you off a ledge, right? That's something you got to deal with and your therapist can help you with. That's, that's somebody that can navigate that with you. That's licensed to do that, that knows what to say, you know, versus a friend that could risk triggering you in that moment and saying the wrong thing. I've had that too. So I think for me, one of the immediate benefits other than, you know, learning to love myself and understand myself was definitely the weight it took off of the people I was venting to because I was no longer bringing the heavy to them. I'd just be like, oh, I learned this and this and, you know, yeah, that was really cool. Totally. Well, I mean, our friends are a huge aspect of support and they also don't know what to do with really hard, heavy hitting mental health as- like issues, right? Like they don't know how to respond. Our our most normal go-to response is like problem solver, right? So it's like, how can I fix this? How can I fix this? How can I make this better? That's not always helpful for the person struggling. And so you learning how to utilize our friendships is so powerful because our friendships are the most beautiful source of support. And they're also typically not a place where we like, are able to dump all of the hard things that are going on for us because they don't know what to do. Like they're they're trying their best, but they also don't know how to like guide us through that process. Because when we're struggling, like individually, we don't always need someone to fix it for us or to tell us what to do, but we need space to be able to have that guide to be able to come from us within ourselves to feel more empowered and get more strength and being able to cope with hard things. And that's the work that we can do with our therapist to, to then learn how to utilize our friends as supportive, like, Hey, I could really just use a friend tonight to hang out. Like, do you want to do that? Right? Like, yeah, of course. Talking to our friends is wonderful. It's beautiful. It's so essential and so necessary. And they're not a therapy space and they don't know how to do that work. So putting it on them is really pressuring and hard. Yes. Especially to the extent that I was doing it. (laughs) My my bad guys. (laughs) We're all good now, but like, whoa, (laughs) she was a lot for a long time. I'm sure they would just, their heart would race when my, when I would call them, they'd be like, okay, what is it this time? (laughs) But I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything different. And growing up, in an unstable environment, I was expect like I had to, you know, take care of my siblings. I I had a lot of pressure put on me at the age of ten, so I kind of grew up thinking like, why can't you t- talk me off a ledge? Like, what I've had to do that shit for so many people my since I was a kid. Like, why can't you? You know what I mean? And that like expectation, I totally made so much more sense once I started going to therapy. And she was like, um, you're not supposed to do that for people. That's too much. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I would sacrifice literally anything for anyone. She's like, that's not necessary. And I'm like, but I have to. Like, it was. It was so interesting, the things that I've learned in therapy. Like, I just, yeah, I can't say enough good things about it, honestly. Yeah. and changed my life. Yeah. So, like, learn that as to why you were the way you were, right? Then you can access 
like compassion for yourself to be like, okay, yeah, like it makes the most sense that I feel like I need to do this because of all these things that happen in my life. And I know that I don't need to do that and I can do it a different way. And that's like so powerful. It is. And just even learning other perspectives, because I think oftentimes we lose ourselves in our own lens. Like we're looking through our own lens and we sometimes think, okay, it's right because it's my lens. But I think therapy is a cool way of learning other perspectives. You know, I've even, I've had relationship therapy as well. Like I won't date somebody unless they're open to therapy because like... (laughs) Your girl's going to be in therapy for life. You got to come. (laughs) Um, And I think that's been really cool to like learn different dynamics of how other people work and function and be in, you know, a couple session and have them speak and have me speak and then have my therapist kind of, you know, talk us through it. And another piece of it too, you said something a while back that reminded me of this is I seen this post on Instagram and this woman was like, my husband and I go to... Uh, couples counseling we have no issues but it's just a preventative like we're going before there is any issues and I thought that was really cool because like again going back to you don't need to wait for things to be bad to go to therapy I think it's just such an excellent way to build communication intimacy knowledge about your partner about what they need their love language like there are so many cool ways that you can learn and grow with your partner within their like within um within therapy together that you just wouldn't think to do outside of it and by doing that preventatively like that causes so much less tension and then there's less room for it to ever get so bad that you're you know what I mean so I just think it's it was really a powerful thing for her to say that was quite a few years ago back when it wasn't as talked about so I was like proud of you sis (laughs) good for you for putting that on the internet yeah I think that's so important oh gosh yeah I mean couples therapy that could be a whole nother episode on its own because it's so powerful. Honestly, like, it is. Yep. Like, it's kind of wild, you know, that you get into a relationship with somebody and you're two totally different people. Like, you have no idea who the other person is. And then all of a sudden you have to start like communicating and making decisions and talking about hard things and learning each other's issues and attachment struggles and you know, what, what your thoughts are and everything. Like it's, it's quite a process really (laughs) to be able to. I think people think it should be easier than it is. Yeah. I think that's a big misconception. I think people think, well, like if the vibes are there, yeah, the vibes. <laughs> the vibes. It must be good. There's no other thing. We <laughs> it must have be to good. Figure out. The vibes and the sex are there. They're good. No, yeah. bro. Like, there's so much shit. Cause, you know, like you've said before, you don't just date somebody like in square one. Like, there's so much of a history that we have, whether that be, you know, dating other people or just even our childhood or adolescent. Like, it, we have shit. We have baggage. We have a life that we've lived. We have traumas, triggers. And that person willingly needs to understand that and be like, you know, make that decision to work through it. Like it's not everything easy isn't worth it. It's not saying it's supposed to be turmoilic and like terrible and toxic, but I'm just saying like it's not. Yeah, it's not going to be easy if it's a good one. (laughs) You're going to have to have those hard conversations. Yeah, this could be another episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll park it here. Really really deep down this hole. (laughs) We really could. Same with the trauma one, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be a really good one. Um, what are, like, hmm, what are some things you want people to know about therapy? I feel like we've kind of bled this conversation into this one. 
of just being like, you know, the benefits of it, but. Totally. Well, I mean, I think like, and I, I mentioned it when we were talking about, you know, having that bad experience and I tried therapy, but really like, I would love for people to know that the relationship is like the most important thing in therapy. It's what provides the most change, right? Like it has to exist if you want to access like further healing. You know, you think about any relationship you have with somebody, we don't open up and want to be vulnerable and feel safe with people that we just like don't really get along with or don't have this aspect of connection with. And that's okay. And it's also so important to go like, if you feel off with your therapist, tell them, tell them what's going on. Tell them that like, Hey, I didn't like it when you did this. Or like, I didn't like it when you said this, like that is so powerful because you learn how to not only be vulnerable, like in a session with your therapist, but learn how to talk about that kind of stuff. And more often than not, you can work through it. Or ultimately, if you're like, yeah, like this just, this just isn't working with me. Totally fine. Like here's some referrals. Like I like therapists want you to be able to find the person that you fit best with. Like we're, we're literally trained to do that. And so know that that is so important and you don't have to just stay with somebody because you're afraid, you know, maybe to hurt their feelings or that it's going to be hard or that, you know, finding someone new is going to be really difficult. Yes, it will. And what kind of work are you doing with someone that you don't really like? That's so true because therapy only works if you're on and you're willing to be, you know, authentic and real and you can't be authentic and real if you don't trust that person. Totally. Right. Like who wants to be vulnerable and like share the hardest things about yourself with someone you don't really like? I know that's so like, true. Like, I thought you were going to say with someone you don't really know. And I was like, okay, well me always, but like <laughs> me yeah. to strangers, let me tell you how it started. <laughs> it all goes back to the early nineties. Yeah. <laughs> 92 popped out the womb. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's funny. But, that like what you just said like is another thing that I think about you know therapy isn't a magic wand yeah not gonna do the work for you and hundred percent only it'll only work with like you know how much honesty you're willing to have how much work you're willing to do right like I can't make anybody tell me things I can't be like tell me every single thing that's ever you've ever struggled with or tell me your deepest darkest secrets tell me the thing that like sparks your shame the most I can't make anybody do that I can't make you be honest and vulnerable with me my job is to provide that space to work as hard as I can to create that and in the end I can only do what you know it's it's a it's a relationship and so going to therapy once, twice, three times, whatever, like it's not a magic wand. It's not just going to go, okay, here, here are all the things you need to do. Now you'll never have that thought again, or you'll never do that thing again. And I think that's what makes therapy so hard and so frustrating at times that aspect of it being really uncomfortable because 
a lot of the time we are learning these things about ourselves and then making the change is so difficult. And, you know, I, I wish I could help that even more. Like, you know, when people come in and they're like, I just, I, I keep doing the same thing over and over and over. Like, why can't I change it? Like, tell me what I have to do. And it's like, I wish I could just magic wand this, but I can't. And, you know, what's making it so hard? What are the barriers? What's struggling? What's working against you? You know, really this process is and can be so difficult and it doesn't always feel good. You know, like that's another thing I want people to know about therapy is that it doesn't always feel good and it can be really uncomfortable, right? Like you're often confronted with your deepest pains, your biggest struggles, the emotions you've been pushing away, the traumas that have happened to you, all the ways you've felt unloved, uncared for, not good enough. And those things aren't easy to talk about. And sometimes when we bring up all of the repressed pain, it can feel worse until it feels better because we have to bring it up to acknowledge it, to understand it, to to give it a space to breathe. So we bring it out of the shame. Like it's not your fault that those things happen to you. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you innately not good enough. This is part of your story and we have to bring it up. But oh, that is real uncomfortable shit. And it's hard. And sometimes we don't always know what to do with that. And that's scary. That's totally fair. And I mean, like with any wound, it has to surface, it has to be able to breathe, to heal. Um, I think the flip side of that, going through it myself and just feeling like agonizing pain, resurfacing these things and realizing that I was the toxic one in so many relationships and things like that. The flip side of it was healing it and and being able to to sit with it, sit through the discomfort, which I think our generation struggles with a bit. You know, we like to suppress, we like to, you know, have immediate fixes, but sitting with that pain, like it is euphoric on the other side. When you push through that discomfort that Nikki's talking about and you sit through those sessions and you fucking cry to and you feel it and you don't run from it. Oh, I'm going to cry talking about it. It literally like made me want to live, like pushing through that. Like I did not want to live as so many of you know, if you followed along, I struggled with suicide ideation um, self-harm immensely. I was a big self-harmer and it brought me to the point of wanting to live. Like, I don't even feel like I recognize that person anymore. I can't believe at one point I almost killed myself many times. So it's like, you know, it's a lot of work to put it in, but like, I've never put in this much work into anything that was this worth it. Like it was, it's unbelievable. The results you'll see if you're willing to sit through that discomfort and show up and be vulnerable and be, you know, like anything. Same with the gym or same with a passion project, same with the business. You pour that energy in, you, you're going to see results and it's going to be amazing. But this is like next level because this is you and everything is a, is a reflection and a mirror of you. When you heal you, you heal the fucking way you view yourself. You view, you heal the the people, you know, the way that you attract different people the lifestyle that you create, the creativity that comes from being healed. Like there's just, it's like, it all starts with you. And then from that, it's a stream of, of every other area of your life that starts to be affected by it. And it's becomes addicting. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, 
it's the greatest gift you can ever give yourself is the act of knowing yourself, right? Literally. Yeah, to like release yourself from the shame and the pain of what has happened, right? Like being able to acknowledge those things and to actually see ourselves as human instead of an imperfect or a perfect robot. Yeah. Which is like what so many of us think we have to be and forgiving ourselves, compassion towards ourselves, understanding, right? Like we can hold so many things at the same time. We can be really disappointed or upset with ourselves for, you know, what we've done or the decisions we've made or certain mistakes in our life that we wouldn't do anymore. We can be disappointed and upset and, and feel guilty for those and understand it and not take it to a place of shame and go, and those don't, those things don't make me a piece of shit, right? Like those things are things that I went through that I was struggling with. And because of this journey of knowing myself and confronting and pulling all of those things out, I no longer feel derailed by them. They're no longer controlling me because I've flipped the script, right? It does bring that like euphoric feeling because the act of knowing yourself is beautiful, right? Like the relationship we have with ourselves is the most important relationship we'll ever have in our whole life. And so why wouldn't we want to nourish that and understand it and know it and strengthen it throughout all the different aspects of our life? I think that's really the greatest gift we can give to ourselves. Absolutely. I, I honestly couldn't agree more. Just having experienced it myself, I just, it is like single-handedly the best thing I've ever done for myself. That and going to Asia, but that had to do with self-love, baby. (laughs) Exactly. Asia was good too, but start with therapy. (laughs) Well, Asia maybe would have never happened without therapy. So, hey, there's a byproduct. Definitely. And I wanted to chat too about the cost of therapy because I know that's probably the biggest concern people have shared with me of why they don't go or maybe their hesitation and... I want to say something that my therapist said that was really powerful to me. I am empathetic to the cost of therapy being quite expensive. When I was the brokest I've ever been, I was in therapy and my therapist was giving me a discount, which was hella nice. She does subsidized rates for those who can't afford full rates, which I think is cool. Um, But she said it's interesting because, you know, my daughter does aesthetics and I watch hundreds of people come in and pay a couple hundred for their lashes, a couple hundred for their nails, but hesitate when it comes to 120 an hour, you know, with me. And I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, damn. You're sitting there with like your <laughs> yeah. nails and lashes done. You're like, yeah. Yeah, literally busted. <laughs> I feel attacked. Oh, no. Yeah. So that was like a big one, too. And I was like, you know what? Damn, that's. A very good point. She goes, this, you know, society is 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 fixated on the physical and we have no problem pouring hundreds of thousands of dollars onto it. But when it comes to fixing us, you know, inwardly, there's a hesitation. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> That's intense. Yeah, honestly. Uh, so I thought that was very powerful and something to sit with. Obviously, I do think, you know, therapy can be quite expensive, you know. But I also think it's an investment of your health. And like, can you really put a price tag on that? 
You know what I mean? Like these people are qualified to help you train your brain and like heal your trauma and like literally live a hundred percent like a better life. Like that, that is certainly worth it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's so hard to that therapy isn't covered under our healthcare. You know, it's it's still even from you know, a systems level, it's still something that hasn't been absorbed as critical or essential or important the way that our physical wild, right? Wild to me. We break our leg and we can immediately get taken to the hospital, have x-rays, sit in there all day long, have a cast, have all these doctor's appointments and it's free. We go through an extremely painful trauma and they go, oh shit, sorry that happened to you. Here's all your therapy bills. And it's like, oh, okay. Okay. We we see what we value here, even from a systems level, you know, and for people that do have benefits, it's typically trash and oh like four sessions four sessions a year I think is what it would cover with benefits yeah like yeah exactly four to five sessions a year which you know for somebody that's maybe in more of like a maintaining place maybe that would be okay to have a session every six weeks but you know that's not enough for people that are doing the work that are getting into it for the first, second, third, fourth, fifth time that are going through something really hard in their life that have had something happen to them that is feeling derailing that are going through, you know, all these different struggles in life because life will always keep throwing it at us. And even if you have done all the work to heal yourself and know yourself really well and feel like you've got a handle on it, then boom, something happens and things fall apart, right? Like there's always going to be an up and down. So it's something we always need, always. And so, you know, there are aspects in our healthcare system that we can access free, low cost therapies. And maybe I can give you like a resource list that you can share because there's too many for me to kind of list off right now. If we're we're talking like BC, Vancouver area, but for, you know, majority part in Canada, you know, there is a provincial healthcare system that you could get involved with. Maybe, you know, if you have something specifically going on with you, typically there's wait lists. Typically it's like, oh, we'll give you six sessions and then you're done. So like even then there's a big, you know, systems problem. If we're talking private practice, which a lot of therapists do, in BC anyways, prices typically, you know, range from that 120 to like 160 range, depending on the therapist and their expertise, that kind of thing. Most are benefit coverage, but if not, then it is like an out-of-pocket expense. Like you said, a lot of therapists will do a sliding scale based off of, you know, your income, what you're willing to pay, what you can pay. And again, it's, it can be an individualized process. So I always recommend like reach out to your therapist or talk to them about that because more often than not, they are willing to put in some sort of plan. Like I've at times with some of my clients, they've paid full price and then something's happened. So then I'll reduce their rate and then there's working again. So they, they're like, no, I want, I can pay full price again, you know? So it's like, it's not always a fixed rate. Although 
we do, of course, like value our own time and value your time and know that when you are paying and investing in your care, you do tend to take it more seriously. You do tend to value it more. You do tend to put in the work because it matters to you and you're paying for it, you know? So there's so many barriers to it. And I hope that in our future, we start to see some more of it being covered and some more accessible mental health care. And for right now, it's just doing our best. Yeah. But I think it's even important, you know, just talking about this openly and just saying that there are therapists who can offer subsidized rates and just there's more things to look into than I think people understand. Even like the Canadian Mental Health Association, I did six months of free therapy with them every single week for my BPD. That was like unbelievable. Um, so there definitely are you know, resources that can help you and can offer free services, like Nikki said, or like a certain amount of sessions, <coughs> excuse me, subsidized rates, all that good stuff. So yeah, I'll link everything. I'll put it on Instagram and on the website of the information that you leave with me. <coughs> I have a tickle in my throat. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Water. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, I think that's important to talk about. And and yeah, moving. It's wild to me that, you know, mental health is not deemed as important as physical health. Because like you can be the most physically healthy person of all time. And you have depression, can't leave your bed. You're not healthy. Mm -hmm. It's like you can have everything in the world. You can be fucking Oprah. Yeah. And if you have mental illness that doesn't even allow you to appreciate what you have, like you, you're, I feel like your mental health is the most important thing above all else. I agree. Mental and physical are both very important, but like mental, I mean, like I said, you can have physical and not have the mental and you're still fucked. So yeah, for real. Like, what? Literally, like it doesn't even matter if you have the physical at that point, because like your brain's not even functioning. So I just think it needs to be it needs to be better. Our system needs to be better. But Nikki and I are working on it as individuals and together. So worry, Pa, guys. We've yeah. got something for you. We're going to make it better one day. We're going to change the world. <laughs> one, one tiny chip at a time. We're yes, getting there. We're working on it. So, no, that's amazing. Um, and what would you say your favorite part of being a therapist is and one of the most difficult things? I want to hear, like, one of each. Okay. Yeah. Oh gosh. There's like so many for both. <laughs> Is there? <laughs> I mean, you can share them all if you want. Yeah. I'll share a Pop couple. Off. I'll share a couple. Pop off. Yeah. I think like one of, uh, okay, I'm going to have two favorite things about being a therapist. One that's like <laughs> kind of funny and one that's just amazing. So I like love helping people come back to themselves and get to know themselves. Like to be able to foster that relationship is so fulfilling. It's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful process. Like so many, so many of us just walk around life having no idea who we are. We don't even know what we like, right? Like, it's like, oh, I just, I don't know. I like what everyone else likes kind of thing. Or I have no idea that, that when this happened to me, it caused this, or this is why I'm, I am this way. Helping people like put that puzzle together is like so fulfilling. 
and almost like euphoric on my end because it's I'm just like so jazzed. I'm like, yes, like, <laughs> yes. Like, you know yourself, you're figuring this out. Like you can do this. It's like building someone's capacity up to be able to manage their life and, and do the hard things. It's beautiful. It's like, that's so cool. Yeah. Like it's, it's so epic. And I love, I love being able to help people do that, to walk alongside them through that journey. It's beautiful. And the other thing that I always love when people, what people do, because it's something I'm always typically unaware of, they'll come in and they'll be like, you know, when you said this, it just really changed my life. And I'm like, I don't even remember saying that, but I'm glad that that was so impactful. (laughs) I love that. You know, like sometimes I just have no idea what's going to stick with people. And I just like things. And then they're like, holy shit. Like when you said that, I just couldn't believe it. And I was like, well, yeah. You know, like, it's just like kind of funny when they say those things. And then I'm like, oh my God, yes, amazing. Let's go more into that. And I think that that's so funny and like fun and cool about the process because I've done that to my therapist too. Like when I'm like, when you said that, just like changed my world. And she was like, oh, okay, cool. You know, like that's great. But you just never know. You never know what's going to sit with people. And that's one of my other favorite things. I'm like, oh, I wonder... I wonder what is making the most change for them because sometimes as therapists, we don't know. Yeah. Like true. Sometimes it takes people time to process things and like not always know how to share it. So I don't always know what's landing either. And that's again, the collaborative process, why it's so important. But for the difficult thing, I mean, it's a hard profession for sure. I would say, not being able to do more at times there's a lot of like a lot of times where I have to just check myself and go my job isn't to fix my job isn't to fix it's not to solve this problem it's not always to be the person that has to be the knight in shining armor that's not that's not my role my role is to like provide this space and allow this person to explore and guide them there and confront them and show up a mirror and ask them the hard questions and help them like get through this. And that can sometimes be really hard to be like, I want to do more or I need to be doing more. I'm not doing enough. Why am I not seeing them change quick enough, shift quick enough? And it makes you feel like, you know, sometimes you're the issue And I think there's a lot of pressure at times to help people get to where they want to get to as quick as you can. And that's not reality. And sometimes I need to just sit in the sock with them. And that's what moves the needle. And that's what's the most powerful. And I don't need to tell them what to do because they already know it, but they need someone to sit alongside them to go, it's okay to just be stuck sometimes. And sometimes it's like, okay, yes, this is also powerful. This is also meaningful. And I don't always have to fix and solve, but that's naturally where so many of us sit is, oh, you have a problem. Let's fix it. Let's solve it. Let's change it. Right. And that's my own bias as a human being, not just as a therapist, but as a human being, right. Of like, that's also how I was raised. Right. So it's like constantly having to check our own biases, 
as human beings first, therapists second, go, I also have to be aware of what I'm bringing into this and what my natural tendencies are to want to do with you. That is a hard line to walk at times. That would be very challenging. Do you find like you get really invested in people and like, is it hard to function afterwards? That would be my biggest fear is like that I would be like attached to everybody's stories and not be able to shut it off after I clock out. Yeah. I mean, definitely at times, like there's for sure people and families and cases that live in my heart that are, that, that just do right. Like I, I can't, I can't turn that off. And at the same time, that is another big thing that we are like learn and taught in school is how to how to do those boundaries ourselves and how to be able to to be able to, you know, it's like it's not like shut the door and leave it there. But at the same time, like, then I think connecting back to what I was just talking about, like our job isn't to solve and to fix. And so my job isn't to change everything in your life. And I need to be able to go, I am not, I am not this like magical savior that's going to come in and change your life. I don't have the power to do that. And so taking all of that home and putting the pressure on me that I do have the power to do that is only going to deteriorate me in my life. And so while that like other struggle for me is that deep empathy, like the pain I feel for my clients is more along the line of like, it hurts to see other people in so much pain. It hurts to see the things that people have gone through. And that is incredibly painful. And at the same time, like I'm working so hard to help those people be able to like, to build capacity to deal with that. And that keeps me going and feels fulfilling to go, I'm I'm going to help you sit with this pain, to feel this pain, to depersonalize from this pain as it was your fault and to build your capacity to know that you're okay, to know that you're strong enough and capable enough of dealing with this. We just have to get you to believe that. And so it's kind of, it's kind of a balance, you know, like, as much as I feel deep pain for my clients and some of them, I do struggle to set that like emotional boundary in myself. I also lean on the idea that these people are so capable of dealing with this and I'm going to help them see that. I'm going to help them learn that and I'm going to help them be able to deal with their hard stuff. And so it's kind of like, that's kind of where I lean on when I feel like I'm taking some of it home. That's beautiful. That must be a fulfilling job, I would imagine. Yeah. Difficult at times, but fulfilling overall. Totally. Totally. And I mean, when you, when someone comes in and they're just like, I did it, I did the hard thing and I got through it and it felt so good and I'm going to do it again. Or like, and I did this and I set the boundary or I communicated my feelings or I did something for myself. Like, celebrating that with somebody is so amazing like tears of joy together you know like you can celebrate someone for them and have that space together it's it's magical absolutely and I just recently 
visited my therapist in person because she's on the East Coast and hadn't seen her since I moved in three years. And I got to tell her all the things that I've been doing and all the ways that I've been coping. And like when she first seen me, like, oh my God, (laughs) I was fucked. I was so fucked. (laughs) I did not want to be there. And for her to have just seen me through on this journey, it's been a messy one. And to be back there and to just say, you know, this is what I'm doing and this is how I'm accomplishing this. And she's just like, I am so fucking proud of you, Alyssa. Like, so proud of you. Like, to make your therapist proud is actually, like, a different level. Like, it means more to me than anyone else in the world. Because I know they know me like nobody else. And they've seen me through some wild shit, you know. I've told my therapist more things than I've ever told anyone. So I think it's... It's such a beautiful feeling on both ends, I'm sure, you know, from you being a therapist and me being, what is it called when you just go to therapy? A therapist? What am I? <laughs> <laughs> a therapy attendee? A therapist. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So as a therapist point of view, <laughs> it's also fulfilling and beautiful. No, but actually, what is the word? Is that the word? Um, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious uh, yeah. what it is. I feel like we can just call it the therapist because I think I that's like fun. That. I like that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's such a, oh, it's such a beautiful, beautiful experience. It is. Like you said, everyone, everyone go. It's wonderful. Literally book your appointment. And anyone who's in this area, I'm going to obviously leave all of like Nikki's credentials and ways to contact her. Um, attach this episode and on Instagram too, so that if you need a therapist in the White Rock area, or even like if you're across Canada, like she can do Zoom, phone call, you know, whatever you're comfortable with, or Skype, I'm sure. Um, yeah, she's amazing. She's not my therapist because she's, I want her to be my friend, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. that when we couldn't do that, that we could just... do that, but that would be, I can only imagine like just hearing you speak. I couldn't, you're probably the best therapist, dude. Mm, stop. Yeah. No, Another human being living life, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Killing it. Um, do you have any therapy related questions that you want to ask me as the therapist? <laughs> That'll never never not be funny. It'll never, it'll never get old. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's funny. Yeah. Like, I think there's so many questions I could ask you (laughs) as the therapist. This could be a six hour episode if we wanted it to. Oh, it literally could. Easy. I think, (laughs) tell us maybe like quickly, you know, I know Mm -hmm. we're we're over time here, but... (laughs) Oh, baby. Um, we got as much time as we want. <laughs> We're good. We're good. Um, what, was like, what was your biggest fear going into therapy? Um, that's a good question. And I was trying to think about that. Because when I went into therapy, I was little. I was like 14. I was just a baby. I didn't even know what was happening, really. I just knew what I was living in my home was unsafe. And I was experiencing what I assumed was abuse, but I didn't know. But to be honest, 
to be like, keep it real with y'all, which is what I like to do. My biggest fear is just my parents figuring out what I was talking about in therapy. Like I didn't really, I didn't fear my therapist. I feared more being home than I did going to therapy at that point in my life. So I feel like it's a different perspective than maybe someone starting at 30. And I think everybody's fears are going to look different. But for me, I was just a kid. I just knew, I don't know what I had in me that just said, you need to go to therapy. I swear to God, I woke up one day and I was just like, yeah, I don't think what's going on here is right, hey? (laughs) So I'm going to go to therapy. So I asked my parents to bring me. My dad's insurance covered it. My mom drove me. And then she would pick me up, but she'd ask me what I spoke about, but I'd say nothing, hey? But I think my biggest fear at that point in my life was just them finding out what I was talking about versus what the therapist was going to say, because I loved my therapist and I just felt so safe. I I think they diagnosed me with PTSD like as soon as I walked through the door. <laughs> I might have been there five minutes. They said, and PTSD. <laughs> Woo. So that was my first diagnosis. <laughs> but I think, you know, obviously I've said I've gone to a couple different therapists in my life. That was my first experience. And then I remember at one point, it was a couple years after I'd been seeing her, she says, I don't think you know. I, I think you don't need to see me anymore. And I remember feeling so rejected. Like I hadn't been diagnosed with BPD yet, but I was just like, she literally doesn't care about me. She doesn't care if I die. She doesn't care about my life. Like I just like remember spiraling. And my friend was like, maybe she just feels like you've put in enough work that you no longer need her. And I was like, no, it has to be abandonment. She has to hate me. That was the hardest part about like letting go of my first therapist because she basically said like, I don't want you. No, I'm kidding. She didn't say that. But that's how I interpreted it. She was like, I think, you know, we've gone as far as we can here. And I think you're doing really well. Um, And then, yeah, going into different therapy appointments over the years, I'm just kind of like scanning them in my mind. Like I said earlier, I had a really bad experience with a male, an older male therapist. He was probably like 60 something. And he was just creepy as fuck. And I, it was interesting because at that time in my life, I had struggled with men. Well, I guess I've struggled with men my whole life. I'm still kind of like, do I trust them? I don't know. But at that point, it was like fucking super bad. Like I was like, I certainly don't trust them. None of them are good. Like I had a very black and white way of viewing things. And my friend was like, why don't you go see a male psychiatrist to help with your male issues? And I was like, that actually sounds like a really good idea did not help. (laughs) So when I went in, you know, obviously he was just doing his thing. He was just really creepy, made me feel uncomfortable, commenting on my physical appearance, not a thing that should happen in therapy. They're not there to comment on your physical appearance. It's not why you're fucking there. So like if they're commenting on your physical appearance and they're a dude, get out. And I reported them. And then that's when they put me with Tara, which is who I'm with now still to this day. I had seen like a couple people here and there that were just kind of irrelevant before that. But this this person walking into this office after, you know, having reported the other person. And she was like, basically giving me two free sessions. I think the company was like, we're going to assign you with this caseworker instead as an apology for assigning you with this weirdo. And so I came in there and I just like, remember walked in, I like sat down across my arms and I was like, what? <laughs> like, I was pissed. I did not want to be there. I didn't trust therapists. I didn't trust men. I hated life. I was fucking depressed. I was in a toxic relationship. I was self-harming. And I just, she'll still like tell that story when we talk about it. She's like, you were livid, bro. (laughs) You were so mad to be, she don't say bro, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, she was just like, you were not having it. You were so upset to be there. And to see, like, to look at you now. And then now I've got her, you know, eight years, eight years later, she's like, 
done so much for me. I could cry thinking about it. Like, she was the first person that actually understood me and, like, seen me and, like, cared. You know, like, genuinely cared. I felt like nobody had ever just cared about me without trying to get something in return, you know? There was always, like, this underlying thing they were trying to do, and she just, like, genuinely gave a fuck. And so that was really, really special. And shout out Tara, because she's, she's the best. But, yeah, I think, yeah, shout out Tara. But, um, yeah, so that was, like, going into it at that point, I had obviously very different fears. I was afraid of being taken advantage of. I was afraid of them saying, I don't want to see you anymore. I was afraid of opening up to get attached just to leave. You know, there was a lot of different fears. And I think your fears are going to look different depending on where you're at in your life. But like, honestly, I feel like there's nothing scarier than not being in therapy. (laughs) When I look back on my life, like I was much more chaotic and you know, my suffering level was through the roof. I was in a lot of pain. I didn't know how to cope. I was just like drinking and doing drugs. So I think the scariest part in hindsight was just not actually going to therapy at all and staying and living, you know, staying stagnant and living my life the way I was before therapy. Yeah. How was that for a quick answer? Yeah. That was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like 10 minutes. I love it. No, but it, like it's a, it's so cool and important, I think, to hear from from all aspects of it and like the different fears that come up, right? Because there is such a fear around everything, like opening up to somebody, the confidentiality, are people going to find out? Am I going to lose this side of me that I actually really like? Am I going to change? Are they going to, you know, provide a space that's scary or unsafe? Like, am I going to get burnt? Am I going to get left? Like there's all these things. And I think that's another wonderful thing about therapy and finding the right person is that you can talk about all those things in the session. Like I, it's wonderful when people come to me and they're like, I'm scared as hell to tell you these things. Like, yeah, tell me why, you know, like what, what's scary about it? Or I'm afraid to share this with you. Like, yeah, of course you are. And what a better place to like navigate that. And it's, I think therapy does so much underlying secondary work that we're a lot more unaware of because the thing we're actually sharing and talking about feels like the work we're doing, but everything that's happening in the shadows is also work, right? Like that's a good one, Nikki. Yeah. yeah. Like for you, the things we can't even identify the things that we didn't even. Yeah. Like learning that it's okay for relationships to end. And it doesn't mean that we're not lovable or likable or good enough and learning that like that's okay for that shift to happen even if it felt gut-wrenching even if it felt like you didn't matter right and like of course there's a lot of work to be done in that for you and your therapist didn't know that like there was an underlying diagnosis and like a deep fear of abandonment and then that's something you're able to take to the next person or, you know, whatever it is, like there's all these things operating in the background that we don't even really know is happening oftentimes until we're like reflecting or being like, whoa, that was also going on at the same time, which is cool. And I know you mentioned at one point, it's cool when your clients will come in and say, you know, you said this, and I'm going to share with you one of my favorite things that my therapist ever said to me that just made me be like, what the 
fuck. (laughs) Okay, so, you know, (laughs) as you guys know, I have BPD, borderline personality disorder, rooted in abandonment fear. Hella abandonment fear. We're working on it. I'm doing better. I'm stable. Woohoo. But at the time, I was not. (laughs) Okay. I was like showing up to my therapist appointment with like a bottle of wine, half drunk, like just like I was fucked. No shame in that, you know? That was that was the best, you know, I was doing the best I knew how to do at that point in my life. Looking back on it, it's, you know, not that great. But at the time, it was, you know, better than what I could have been doing. So anyway, she said to me, I need you to stop focusing all of your energy on if you can trust someone else. Because when a bird lands on a tree branch, it doesn't trust that that branch will never break. It trusts in its own ability to fly away if the branch does break. And I was like, bro. We may as well wrap up this session right now. <laughs> oh my I'm God. Fixed. Like, yeah, fixed. I'm literally cured. No, but that is the most, one of the most, you know, therapists say a lot of cool shit like that. Write it down, bring a journal because you're going to hear lots of really amazing analogies where it just completely like, scrambles your brain. And I'm like, this whole time I have been so fearful of being abandoned by everyone. And she's like, you can't be abandoned. You're full grown. You know how to take care of yourself. You know, you you can't be abandoned. I know that your biggest fear is being abandoned because of your disorder. It's rooted in abandonment fear, but you cannot be abandoned. And you do not need to worry about trusting people that they're never going to leave. You just got to, you got to look after you. People are going to come and go and it's not going to have anything to do with the quality of who you are. It's not going to be a rejection of you. Like people just grow apart and they unalign or, you know what I mean? Even if they promise to never leave you, they could still die. And I know that sounds really morbid, but at the time it brought me a lot of peace because I was like, true, no matter what, you could always be left for whatever reason. That's why, as Nikki said too, it's the most crucial and important relationship you will ever have is with yourself because you are the only person guaranteed with you every day. Not your pets, not your partner, not your family, nobody. It's it's you. So investing in, you know, that relationship with you and your mental health is like top tier self-love. And you just build back this, you know, respect for yourself. Like little Liz, just knowing, I don't even like know how I heard about therapy at 14. Like, I don't know what was going on, but I just was like, I gotta go. Like, I have so much respect for that little baddie who just woke up and said, no, I'm not being treated right. I need to go get diagnosed and like get help. And it just, it forms this trust within yourself that you are doing the best thing for you. You know, you can fuck up and make mistakes in your waking life, but by going to therapy, it builds that trust of like, you're working at getting better. You know, you're not going to be perfect, but you're, you're getting closer to being better and a healthier version of you every day. And I think that's just, oh, I wish I could provide free therapy for the world. That's the goal, guys. That's the goal. One day, I wish I really could. And I'll make it happen. You just wait. But it's, yeah, because it's just so amazing and so beautiful. And just knowing that girl I was then, even if you knew me in high school, college, like not the same person I am today. Very, very different. A lot more regulated, sane, not suicidal, happy, healthy, both physically, you know, mind, body, soul, all of it. And I was just the opposite of whatever I am now then. So it's just such a such a beautiful and cool transformation to have made by the decision of little 14 year old me being like, yeah, I'm going to go get help. <laughs> it's cool. Uh, well, it's like, it's hard to actually understand and connect to ourselves when we were younger, like what was ra- like, what was going through our heads. Right. But mm-hmm. there obviously and clearly was just like part of you that knew it didn't feel right. That knew it didn't feel aligned. Mm-hmm. And 
all of the ways that we cope and deal with things when we're not feeling aligned and we don't know what's going on are typically things that aren't helping us or things that could be hurting us. And so for sure to be able to be in a place now where it's like, you do feel aligned, you do feel connected to yourself. You do feel like you're like living yourself and your own life and, and getting to know yourself every day is a new challenge and something comes up, but knowing that you're not defined by the ways that you survived, the ways that you learned how to just be okay, the way that you learned how to get out of your head and out of the fears, right? Like those are ways that we survive and the ways that we find safety and coming back to ourselves, It doesn't mean we don't have those tendencies or we don't, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe feel like that we want to do those things sometimes, but we're just in a different space and we're able to see it of like, Oh yeah. Like that, that doesn't, that doesn't serve me. And being Mm -hmm. healed isn't an absence of behaviors or symptoms. It's how we show up to them differently. Yeah. That's that's big. A non-existent, like perfect walking person that never has hard emotions or tendencies to want to do things like that's not what the healing process is. It's, learning that we don't need to do those things anymore and how do we show up to them it's not the absence of them all the time so absolutely and I think it's important too to recognize that you did the best that you knew how to do at that time because I think oftentimes after we are healed we can have a lot of cringe moments when looking back like I used to literally be like oh my god I can't believe I did that hung out with those people said those things oh my god ratchet but I think it's important to to recognize that yeah we were doing the best with what we knew then and I heard this quote and it was like my ceiling then is my floor now and I was like holy fuck I think I said that right does that make sense yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, so true. Like back then when you're like, oh, wow, I wish, you know, I could get up there. And now it's that, you know, that is your floor. Like that is, oh, gives me goosies. I love it. So powerful. Um, Do you have any final words? Any last things you want to say? Anything that you're like, oh, I would really like to touch on this. It can be random, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, I just want literally every single human being to know that they are like so worthy and valuable in their own life and also capable like yes so capable of doing hard things and getting through hard things and coping with hard things it's so much of what we've been through, what's happened to us, our world, our systems that are making us believe that we can't. And yeah, we are all innately good enough and worthy enough. And we all need that support. We all need someone to walk beside us, in front of us, behind us. We all deserve that. And you deserve that, right? And so I think it's mm-hmm. just so important for people to hear that because... We live in such a shame-based world and shame will never motivate us. Shame will never motivate us for long-term change ever, even though that's what we're taught to do. And I think knowing that you're worthy, your relationship with yourself matters, it's important and you deserve to water it. And I think that that's just what I want everyone to know. 
You're honestly one of the most amazing people I've ever met. And this was a really beautiful episode. And I think that was such an amazing closing statement. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. What Nikki said, retweet, retweet. <laughs> and yeah, I'm going to obviously leave all of Nikki's information to um, her Instagram handle, you know, everything to get, you know, in touch with her, follow her on social media, become a client, all that. I'll leave that in the notes here and on Instagram and on the website so you can find it. But thank you so much for being a guest today. It was honestly such an honor to have you. You're such an amazing human being. And you can just tell that you're trying so hard to change the world (laughs) and help each individual person. That's just, I recognize that mission and I commend and love you for it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. I had like the best time. I feel like so fulfilled right now and just like so settled and I love you so much. I I love love everybody listening and I hope that, that it made an impact. And you did, you did good. So many, no doubt, but yes, thank you so much, Nikki. This was amazing. We will definitely be having you back. And I think we should definitely do episodes on both trauma and then therapy and relationships too. So stay tuned for those episodes in future, guys. And Nikki, have a wonderful rest of your day. Yeah, you too. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Till next time. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I loved having you. If you wish to support this podcast, please follow us so you never miss an episode. You can also find us on social media at Full Minded Podcast. Please visit our website at www.fullmindedpodcast.com to submit all your questions. If you wish to be a guest on this podcast, please fill out the form on our website to apply. Your continued support means the world, so thank you again for taking the time out of your day to tune into Full Minded with Elisabetta. Until next time, be kind to yourselves and remember that there is power in owning our imperfect and messy lives. It's all a part of the human experience and you're not alone in it.